Welcome to episode 17 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall and this is a podcast all about bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers in partnership now with Beyond Blue's New Access for Small Business Owners program, a free and confidential mental health coaching program developed by Beyond Blue to give small business owners, including sole traders, the support they need. My business is struggling. So am I. The last few years have been pretty tough and I think I probably need some support. Don't downplay what's playing on your mind. New access for small business owners developed by Beyond Blue provides free mental health coaching to get you feeling like yourself again. Designed for small business owners and sole traders, it's via phone or video and you don't need a doctor's referral. That'd really help. Search new access for small business owners and inquire today. In this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper, we hear from a powerful and passionately positive bookkeeper based in Adelaide, South Australia, from a direct line of Hungarian royalty to the toughest of battles anyone could face on the day that JobKeeper emerged here in Australia and yet had nothing to do with JobKeeper. This is an inspiring story that I think all will resonate with. So sit back and engage with the fabulous story of Melinda Van Dyke. As we always do on Heart of the Bookkeeper, we look forward to all the guests that we have had over the last 16 episodes. We're at episode 17. Uh, I probably say it way too much, but I really absolutely mean it. I am so thrilled to uh, call in a, a guest today who I've known for a while now. She's um, probably one of the the strongest and most passionate women that I know. She's wincing at that right now. She's not too comfortable with that. <laughs> but I want to call in and welcome Melinda Van Dyke. Welcome to the podcast, Melinda. Hi, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> You've set the bar pretty high, I have to say. <laughs> I'll do my best. We'll come back. We'll, <laughs> we'll come back to the, the the comment "strong and passionate" in a, in a little while. Yeah, just give me a bit of license on that one. But I, I do. I I'm absolutely thrilled, or we're absolutely thrilled to have you. You're a uh, Thank you. You're a long-term bookkeeper in practice and uh, I I know that you've got an amazing story to tell, so hence why we want to tell it or hear you tell it. Uh, And and I'll give the listeners a bit of a heads up. Some of of it's going to be a a difficult uh, listen, I suspect. I don't want to preempt too Mm -hmm. much, but uh, certainly your journey has been one that has taken you in many different directions. Really looking forward to uh, unpacking that over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Nice. But we, we, we have a, a tradition on Heart of the Bookkeeper. We start off with, um, like all good bookkeepers, we need, to, we need to create a balance sheet on Melinda Van Dyke. You know, we've got, everyone has to have a balance sheet in life. That's, well, that's my point of view anyway. <laughs> and so we've got to create the balance sheet of Melinda, Melinda Van Dyke. And so what we're going to do is 
click um, t- uh, start. We'll, we'll get some words right for a start. <laughs> we're going to we're going to kick off with three opening balances. We've just got to get something in. You know, a balance sheet doesn't have to. Oh, I call this out with my clients all the time. Doesn't always have to have the complete structure right from the get go, oh. but it needs some key opening balances. So, okay. So, right, first question. I'll get into <laughs> it. Really important. Really important opening balance. This one. Football club that you barrack for. <laughs> if you've ever, oh. if you've been on social media and uh, stalked Melinda Van Dyke, you probably already know the answer to this. But uh, tell us about your your passion for a certain football club. So I'm definitely a Crows girl, but I do have a confession to make. Um, I wasn't brought up a football follower at all. I grew up in uh, Melbourne. Um, my parents were in no way sporting family football, if anything, my dad uh, liked a bit of rugby, but that was it really. Um, so I kind of got a little bit of interest in, a little bit interested in football when uh, my ex-husband, he used to play football and what have you. And then uh, some years ago, some friends of ours, probably about 12 years ago now actually, some friends of ours had a couple of member tickets for the Crows available to sit with them and said, hey, would you like to come and take on these member tickets? And I thought, why not? <laughs> so, but I have to say to this day, um, I have been known to get on the bus to go to the football and look around and see what other team scarves I might see and go, oh, look at that, we're playing West Coast today. And I have also been known to actually get to the game and have no idea who's playing. So whilst I look like a really diehard Crow supporter, to me it's just a fabulous day out. It's time with my daughter, with my partner, with my friends, and I just, I just love it unless it's really raining and then maybe I'm a bit of a fair weather supporter. <laughs> <laughs> and look, so so it should be, I reckon. Mm. I mean, sport is for, for all and, and spectators in particular possibly get a little bit too serious. I know uh, earlier in the season I probably um, was getting a little bit too over-anxious about my team. West Coast yeah. not doing too well. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, it, it is a, a, a a great passion of Australians to be able to go to a sporting That's match, be able, to, mm. be able to sit wherever we want, not have to be segregated, all those sort of things that we see sometimes in European sport and um, <laughs> be able to just have a good day out. So Absolutely. I'm loving the fact. And, but but I, I do I do enjoy the social media posts of Melinda Van Dyke <laughs> proudly wearing her Adelaide Crows uh, <laughs> stuff. Mind you, as this uh, episode goes to air in uh, just before uh, the finals of uh, AFL, no, I don't think uh, you or I are really looking forward to too much no, not action really. coming up. In fact, we already know <laughs> there's no action there's coming no up. There's no action. Yeah. Season is there's well no and truly action. over for both of us, cr- Rob. Cr- <laughs> cricket, cricket season, bring it on yeah. is what I say. But <laughs> So talking of Adelaide, mm-hmm. for those tuning in who do know maybe a little bit about Melinda or have, uh, have, have uh, seen her posting on, on, on social media, Adelaide is clearly uh, a home for you it is. Uh, these days. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't always been the case. Do you want to give us a little bit of an opening balance on, on where Melinda Van Dyke kicked off? Literally, we keep using that word. Football <laughs> keeps coming up. I don't know <laughs> why. It. But uh, <laughs> where did it start for Melinda Van Dyke? Well, my opening bounce, let's call it that, was um, yes, in Sydney. Like <laughs> was yeah. in Sydney where my parents were were living, uh, and when I was a couple of years old, Dad was relocated to um, the UK. So uh, we spent three years living in England, and I started school in England. I was only at school for one uh, term. And uh, dad was asked to go back to Melbourne for six months and mum decided that, look, there's no point in him going for six. We might as well come 
for six months as well, um, given that I'd only just started school. And six years later, <laughs> Dad was then moved to Adelaide. <laughs> and as um, coincidence um, had it, well, I well, I'm assuming it was coincidence. Maybe there was more to it I've never been aware of. But uh, my mum's parents at that time ha- were also living in Adelaide. So it was a really nice move. It was hard for me at the time. I was 11. I had just started high school in Melbourne. And once again, I started a new school for one term. And then not only did I have to uproot and move to Adelaide, I had to go back to primary school because our schooling years were different. Uh, <laughs> so, right. so that was a little bit, um, let's just call that a little bit challenging at the time. But, uh, but I've been here for, well, ever since. I won't say how many years, but I've been here ever since. And I definitely call Adelaide home. And I call myself an Adelaide girl. And proudly so, wearing mm. the scarf. So yes. well, one, of, one of the scarves, <laughs> one the of two the scarves. scarves that you can wear in that town. That's yes, it. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know, many of the the, um, the listeners tuning in right now have had similar stories um, mm. of being moved around with parents. Do you kind of look back now and see that more as adventure than challenging or, um, you know, you've called out at the time, you probably weren't thrilled, but do you now see see it in a different light now you're a bit older or do you still kind of regret the fact that you, you know, can't say I, you know, was born in a town and I grew up in that town and I'm still in that town? How do you see things now? Well, it's interesting because I've been here since I was 11. I sometimes actually forget that I lived somewhere else before. (laughs) So, but I do like, you know, I still like to go back and visit Melbourne. I've got a a primary school friend that we are still super close and, um, you know, we go and visit, um, we visit each other as often as we can. And Sydney, I don't really feel much of a connection to because I was only a a baby. I I feel a weird connection to England strange. I left there when I was five, but I just, I don't know. I just like, I like knowing that I spent some, some of my years there and uh, I learned to speak in England. So I came back with a, you know, quite a posh accent apparently, but it didn't last very long. (laughs) (laughs) That's a (laughs) six-year-old. Apparently so. Oh, so, that's yeah. excellent. All right. Okay. So we've established a bit of bit of a journey and we'll come back to the, the Adelaide story uh, in a little while, but we're still on our opening balances. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I believe we need at least three aspects of a balance sheet to, to really get it up and running, yeah, a bit of bit of equity in there, I suppose. You've um, been, we're going to get, we're going to really deep dive into your bookkeeping journey and your journey as a, as a, a software consultant as well. Mm-hmm. Um so you've been doing that for a long time now. If there was one thing, if I said to you, if there's one thing that you don't leave home without before you go and see a client, what would it be? And it can be anything. Well, I was going to say very tongue-in-cheek my brain, but I think <laughs> there have actually been perhaps more than one occasion where I have left that behind. Um, so... <laughs> So um, probably more realistically, and as much as it sounds a little bit silly, I'll say my phone, and I know that sounds silly because everyone takes their phone everywhere, but one of the things that I find in uh, my my world, I suppose, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, is I have an excellent support team around me. So I know I can go see any client and know that if they stump me with a question, it's just a phone call. Pick up the phone call my business partner, call MYB, call the ATO, call ICB. Someone will be there to help me and I feel that I can walk into any 
situation with confidence that I might not know everything I'm going to come across, but I, I know where to find the help. Yeah, yeah, I think mm. yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think that's a really good mm. response. Here I was thinking maybe lipstick or uh, something else, but, <laughs> no. but uh, well, also that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but but no, I think you've nailed it. And when I think about it now, sadly, I can recall the. Um, I have a um, a, a, a PA who's uh, actually sitting in the corner of uh, our recording studio at the moment, peddling <laughs> away, probably doing work when I should be doing real work. Maybe you're doing real um, work right yeah, now. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I employed a young girl. When when I first started my practice, I employed a young girl, mm. back, we're talking early 2000s, just to follow me around to manage my phone. Can you believe that? <laughs> so her one I role can. was just to, just to <clears throat> be there in case it rang. You know, yeah, we're, talking, <laughs> we're talking back when mobile phones had just came in. It's a pretty embarrassing thing to That's admit great. to now. But, <laughs> but no, good start, good start. So the growing up bit. Yeah, I know that there was a real connection with your mum and dad in particular and I re- you've spoken a little bit about your dad but I just want to focus in on your mum for a moment. Yeah. For a start, can you tell the listeners and especially me, how do you, how, how do you actually say your mum's name? Ildiko. So Ildiko, but she was known as Ildi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Hungarian name and uh, that was her only name. She had no middle mm. name, she was just Ildi. Or Mum, Ildi yeah, Mama, mum. you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So tell us a little bit about the the Hungarian journey, and that this is where I've picked up on the strong and passionate. I think uh, <laughs> what's the old tale that's saying the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, I think um, not that I ever met your mum, mm. but uh, the strong and passionate I suspect came from those genes. Yeah. I'm guessing. Tell, tell tell the listeners a bit about mum's story. It's an interesting one. So when my mother was fifteen and living in Hungary, uh, there was the, uh, a revolution and the revolution was all about um, basically kicking the communist Russians out of the country. And my mother, along with her mother and uh, extended family, fled um, across the border at night in the snow. All the stories, all, all mm. the things that you just can't even mm. wrap your head around. I've heard all the stories. And uh, as a consequence, they um, eventually ended up in Australia. Australia was one of the three countries that opened up, uh, opened their arms up to the refugees fleeing Hungary. So um, a little bit of extra history, my mother's grandfather, so my mother's mother's father was actually Prime Minister of Hungary for a time during the war. And so it was part of the reason that they had to flee, I guess. They mm. were sent into um, internal exile when the communists came in. Literally, they would knock on the door and say, in one hour, we're coming back and you're getting on a train and you're out of here. So they lost a lot of um, possessions. A lot. They managed to get a lot of stuff back, actually. And I have quite a few pieces around my home, actually, that belong to the family that came, um, which is really lovely. Lots of things. But my mum and her mother was separated from, my mum was an only child, actually, sorry, let me correct that. My mum had a baby brother who died, who was just a few months old. Um, My mum's parents were separated for 12 years. My my grandfather left Hungary 
during the war and was not allowed back in the country. And my grandmother was told that she should divorce him and that she should change Mm. her name and not be associated with him in any way. And she stood firm and said, there is absolutely no way I'm doing that. I love my husband. Mm. They didn't see each other for 12 years. I recently Mm. came across... um, a letter, my grandfather, bless his little heart, he um, he passed away in, in the 80s now, but he was this beautiful man. He wrote the most incredible letters and he kept copies of all of them. Everything was in, typed up, everything was in triplicate. But, I mean, he wrote letters to the ATO and he wrote letters to the bank manager and they were just stunning, stunning letters. But I just recently came across one purely by chance that opened up with... I. Dear such and such, I do apologise for the delay in my response. I've just met up with my wife and my daughter, whom I haven't seen for 12 years, and it was a lovely reunion, blah, 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 and then just went about his business with the thing. And it was just so beautiful to come across to come yeah, across wow. that. So, But, you know, my grandmother and my mother, they never really let that awful thing that they went through define them. They never felt sorry for themselves. They... they they used what they'd been through to build their lives, I guess, you know. My mum was very passionate about the Hungarian community here in Adelaide. And in fact, I probably didn't really fully understand how passionate she was until she actually was um, awarded an um, Order of Australia for her services to the community. Oh, wow. um, yeah, which was, uh, which was lovely. Um, and then I also really understood how much of a mark she'd made um, at her funeral because she passed a few years ago now, when um, the number of people that came to her funeral, including the current premier at the time, turned up. You know, it was just phenomenal. And I didn't probably really understand how far-reaching her passion went, I guess, in, in what she did for the community. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, beautiful women. I, I'm uh, I'm kind of uh, getting a little tear just thinking about how um, how incredible what a, what an impact your mum made after mm. such a oh, what must have been such a traumatic you know because I'm guessing that moment when they had to flee from Hungary mm. she mustn't have been too old she fifteen must have been, fifteen she was, was she? fifteen Sorry, I might, yeah I might have missed that the first time round fifteen you know you talk about you know moving mm. from. Uh, where was it, Melbourne to Adelaide 11 or whatever it was, um, you know, 15-year-old. Mm. It, must, it must have been very scary for her. I, yeah. remember, I remember when I was 15 and I was living a very privileged life, thank you very much, compared to what my mum had been through. And, uh, but, you know, I was 15 and I was hormonal and all the things and I don't know, mum asked me to close the fridge door and I burst into tears or I don't know, something ridiculous like that. And, and my father, I remember my father make, say, making this comment one time. He said, he said, oh, you know, when your mother was 15, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my mum just cut him off and said, I would never want to wish what I went through at that age on my yeah. daughter. You cannot yeah. compare and don't ever say that again. And he didn't bless yeah. him, but uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I always remember that. I'm always mindful of what what, what she went through in my my family's been through. You must be incredibly proud. I know, <laughs> I know, uh, and you may may or may not remember this, but uh, uh, I lost my mum in 2017, and, and I, I know remember. we were at a conference, and mm-hmm. you you came and put your arm around me and and wished me all the best. And I, and I know when you lost your mum in 2019, that was very, mm. very a very difficult time for you. Very. Um, the closeness that you had, the bond mm. that you had. 
So special memories and I'm so glad that we've got this opportunity to just even remember some of that. I'm sitting here thinking if you're a listener listening in right now and you're a movie producer, there's movie written all over that story. Surely that is (laughs) just out of this world, um, Mm. you know, and I don't even, I suspect we haven't even touched the uh, the tip of it. Yeah, (laughs) barely scraped the surface, that's for sure. surface, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, the the, the great-grandfather or whatever who was Prime Minister of Hungary, Mm. you know, I'd like to just hear his story alone, so. <laughs> well, I can actually, well, actually, like, just a quick side note. Mm-hmm. I, um, a few years ago, um, my mother had a, a gentleman come out from Hungary from the National Archives because my grandfather on the other side of the family, also his family, there was quite a long um, history, um, the, the 700 years worth of that family history in the National Archives in Hungary, right? So anyway, this historian has been out and spent some time with my mom and um, after he's gone home, he's done some extra research and he sends her this document that actually has the uh, um, the family tree, but just, just, just a one line, a family tree going back from my grandfather to his father to his father, et cetera, et cetera, back to King Bela IV. <laughs> so if anyone ever accuses me of being a bit of a princess, yeah. happy, happy to wear the crown. Happy to wear the crown. Love it. Love <laughs> so it. there you go. Little did you know. <laughs> Sorry. Melinda Bella Van Dyke. That's I can it. just see, see it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, That's that it. that is great. Well, we might have to have part two and part three of this particular <laughs> episode just to unpack the seven hundred years. I mean, That's oh, it. Oh, I get a little bit confused with seventy years of my family tree. You know, to go back seven hundred. Wow, That's incredible. It's crazy. So let's, we're sort of, we've kind of uh, segued our way through to you being around 15, 16. It's obviously around those sort of times that you start to think about what you're going to do with your life and where you're going to go with it. Did you have some distinctive thoughts? Was it, I'm going to be a bookkeeper or was it uh, something completely different at that point? (laughs) Oh, well, so, well, no. Um, As a small child, I wanted to be a nurse. In fact, I remember I was always Nurse Carol. I'd it was the 70s, that's all I can say. Um, <laughs> but then I realised I didn't like the side of blood, so that probably wasn't a thing. Then I wanted to be a hairdresser and then I realised I didn't really use scissors, so that wasn't really a thing. But I did have a passion for children, four-year-olds. Four-year-olds are hands down the most fantastic people on the whole world mm. on, on this earth. They're just amazing. Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. So when I left school, I did my diploma of teaching in um, early childhood education. Um, I did take seven years to do it. It was a three-year course, but mostly that was because I had other interests. I was doing some other things. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do other things. But I finished and um, I swore I would never work in uh, childcare because I'd had a um, not so great experience through my my, um, my prax. So obviously I ended up working in childcare, so, <laughs> as you do, but I did get to work with four-year-olds, which was fabulous. But I distinctly remember on more than one occasion, you know, it would be a beautiful day. There were four of us staff with all our kids and we'd be outside, the sun's shining, the kids are happy, they're all playing, we're going about doing our things and we'd look at each other and go, think of all those poor parents sitting in an office in front of a computer. How terrible would that be? Now, of course, I have a couple of childcare clients and when I'm sitting there and I can hear the kids, I'm like, thank God. God, I'm sitting here in front of a computer. (laughs) 
Sorry. Is that an age thing? I don't know. It's <laughs> called a wheel turning. It's called a wheel turning. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm. And, and the yeah. other thing, so no, I had no designs on being a bookkeeper or anything to do with computers. And in fact, I will just tell you that when I was in high school, we had, uh, this is in the days where you had computing lessons as part of maths and they did mm-hmm. computing lessons uh, for year 10, 11 and 12 when I was in year nine and when I went into year 10, they changed it. So only mm-hmm. years eight and nine had computing lessons. So in my whole schooling, I had one lesson in front of a computer. So mm-hmm. if you had have told me then, I'd be going out teaching people how to use software. <laughs> Firstly, I'd think you were nuts. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. That's one more lesson than I had. So yeah. um, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> everyone, yeah. everyone locally refers to me still as the computer guy, and little do they know <laughs> I don't. I don't think I turned a computer on until Windows 3.11 came along. <laughs> that's or something like that. But that's even then showing my age, I guess. <laughs> um, all right. So the 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 childcare thing, you know, kind of was there for a moment or two. When was the moment that you did? I've, I think I've asked this question of most uh, of our guests, so let's keep the the role going on this one. W- was there a moment that sort of you look back now and start to go, oh, I can see that we're, what I'm doing now started to evolve at this particular point in time? When did that happen? Yeah, I can. When I was um, pregnant with my daughter, my ex-husband and I were running a, a carpentry business at the time. And uh, when I was pregnant with her, I was about to head off on um, on uh, maternity leave. I went to see the accountant with a little Excel spreadsheet that I'd managed to, somebody had set up and then kind of showed me what to do. And I went along with a little, uh, a little Excel spreadsheet and I showed it to him and I said, well, this is what I think things might look like. And he looked at it and he said, wow, you've done a really great job. You really know what you're doing. And I thought, well, I really don't, but okay. <laughs> so he said to me, I'll tell you what, go and have your baby and when you're ready, we will, um, I'll send one of my accountants around and we'll set up, set you up with, with MYB. And I thought, that's nice. I don't know what that is, but sounds good. So somebody I came hope, around. I'm just saying hopefully with some flowers as well to congratulate there, there were no, the no, there were there. Not, no, there were no flowers. <laughs> Let me tell you, this, this lovely lady came in. She sat down, she set up MYB, she spent one hour and she said, do this, do this and don't touch that. Okay, <laughs> and left. And I wow. thought, wow, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> so I was left very much to my own devices. The good thing about it was there was no pressure. It was mm. our business. If I stuffed it all up, I unstuffed it and redid it. Mm. <laughs> right? mm. So it was good learning ground. It was good learning ground. So I did that for, um, I did that. I, I continued to do that and then and learned a bit along the way. I started in those days, MIB would do a, um, a, a daily seminars, they'd come over and yep. do the do the thing. And I went to all of them. I did, I did them all. You know, I learned lots of things, which was great. And um, it didn't occur to me this is something I could do as a job. This is just something I did for our business. And then one day, somebody I was working with in childcare got this opportunity to go and do something else. I don't remember what it was particularly. And so she was leaving. And I remember sitting there thinking, I wish something would just come along that I could do other than childcare because I don't want to be doing this my whole life. There's got to be something else I can do, but I had no idea. And the phone rings and it's a uh, fellow that I knew um, through my work, hadn't seen for a while, rings up and says, so Melinda, I've bought this business at the beginning of the year and I've had a bookkeeper and she's completely royally stuffed it up and I need you to come and fix it. <laughs> I thought, hello. <laughs> Here we go. 
here we are. So, <laughs> so it was really interesting. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. So I got thrown into this scenario where I got to learn about retail manager and all sorts of things. Yep. And, um, and that's, I guess that's where it kind of started, started for me. I thought, well, maybe this is something I can do. Um, yeah. So there you go. And a star was born. And a star you know, was born. We can see another movie out of this story, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you were on the big stage all of a sudden. Yeah. It's incredible for me, you know, and for those who are tuning in, I'd encourage you, go and have a listen to, to, to previous episodes mm. if you haven't done. The amount of times we, we have this amazing community now in, in Australia, the bookkeeping community as we like to refer to it as, and so many stories of people who have just almost, and I'm calling it out, accidentally fallen into what becomes ultimately a profession and a passion. And, it was um, definitely an accident. You, you've, <laughs> you've, you've just nailed it in that story in one and we heard that from, from uh, a number of the guests that we've had over the time. Was it, was it an immediate, right, I've found it, I'm away now or was there no. a gradual growth? You know, a lot of bookkeepers mm. listening in right now, especially maybe younger bookkeepers or, or those who are sitting in childcare centres right now listening <laughs> going, what can I do that's a bit yeah. different? Yeah. Um, just a gradual build up, get a few clients and get going. Is that how it worked for you? Well, the, um, the fellow that I went to work for, he was um, fantastic because he said to me, look, I understand that your, your, your experience with, with MIB is limited to your own business and this is a different environment because it was retail. Yeah, good call. He, said, I, he said, I understand that. So you figure out what you need to know and if you need to go and do a course to learn it, I'll pay for it. Mm. I mean, who does that? What a man. <laughs> yeah. I know. So I did. But also he said to me one day, he said, look, I know you've got a bunch of questions that you need someone to specifically answer. I have this MYB consultant. And if you have about an hour's worth of questions, feel free to get him to come out here and um, go through the, the questions with you. And I thought, great, I'll do that. So I did that. And in walks this consultant. I took one look at him and we're like, oh, here we go. It's Adelaide. Of course, we knew each other. Hadn't oh. seen each other for 18 years, <laughs> but knew each other nonetheless. So, because oh. uh, that's a very Adelaide, a very, very Adelaide thing. And anyway, sits down with me and I start asking him these quite in-depth questions about about these journals and about retail manager and all these all these sorts of things. And he looked at me and he goes, do you know most people could not care less? I'm like, really? He goes, they yeah. could not care less. As long as it works, they don't care, but you actually care. And not only do you care, you seem to have actually figured it out. I'm like, have I? <laughs> I don't know, have I really? So he said to me in that moment, and this was the moment actually, he said to me, you should actually be going out and doing what I'm doing. And wow. I thought, Wow. So I sat on that thought for quite a while um, that maybe that was something I could do. He then ended up getting me a couple of other clients, um, one of whom I still work with and the other one who was very, very, very unintentionally instrumental in my new business venture, but we, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so that yeah, he planted the seed actually that maybe what I needed to do was actually go out and teach other people how to do it. I felt like at that stage I'd needed to learn a little bit more so I had something to teach, but <laughs> he definitely planted the seed. I think, again, I think, you know, sometimes you do need that, you know, that, again, I'm reflecting on those who are listening in on this going, I'm trying to get started in this community, Rob, but uh, I just don't quite know how to get going. You know, hook up with somebody. I have yeah. a similar story in my past. I think I've shared it before where 
a, a retired accountant came round and sat with me and went through a whole heap of stuff. And I think he then immediately recognised where I was at and what I, well, perhaps showed some talent with. Mm. And it was his encouragement that led me to the next steps, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, and, and if you're listening in right now and you're somebody who can uh, tutor somebody or perhaps motivate somebody else, do it, please do it because mm, that's, that's very much the story of our, um, the, the progression of our community has been those sort of stories um, where somebody has inspired somebody else or had a word with someone else. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a great call out and funnily enough, the ICB, um, we are examining how at times we can create that sort of that, that mentoring opportunity or perhaps Absolutely. that, that mm. buddying up type um, arrangement where somebody who's experienced, somebody who's got the skills passes that knowledge on. I think, I think yeah. thankfully we're in, a, we're in a community, in an industry where um, that, that can really happen effectively. So I love that story. So we, you mentioned about, well, I'm going to say her name now, Veronica. <laughs> tell me about, tell us all about Veronica, okay? Veronica, oh, Veronica. obviously came into your life. Veronica's my work wife. She's my work wife. Veronica's my business partner. We've been in business together for 12 and a half years, which is a quarter of a something, 50 years. Is that right? Something, something like that. Yeah, quarter we'll of 50 years. That. Let's go yeah, with that. Yeah. Some something's kind of always decade, a quarter of something. Yeah, it's yeah. a quarter of 50 years, which I think is pretty good. a quarter of four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I went to this client um, that the consultant sent me to. I, I stepped in there for a three to six month assignment and was there for about eight years because usually that's how these things work out. And um, around about the time, so I'd been there for a few years and I decided um, I'd I'd had a bit of a push um, to go ahead and become a certified consultant with MYAB. And at the exact time that I went to Melbourne to do my my CC um, induction, the receptionist at the um, organisation that I was working for three days a week had uh, told me that she rang me while I was in Melbourne and said, uh, I've decided to leave. Now, not a big deal except that the managing director was overseas and I was away and all the, all the things, all the things happened. So we decided, the sales manager and, and myself and the girl that were leaving decided we would advertise for a temp or we would, we would try to get a temp in just while the managing director was away and then we could decide what to do or he could decide what to do. So we did that, called up a, an agency and uh, about half an hour later, they rang back and said, well, we've got someone. Um, would you like us to send them around? We're like, okay, it happened that fast. Unbeknownst to us, this young lady by the name of Veronica happened to be walking past said agency, has just had a baby four months ago, just starting to think about what she might, you know, well, maybe I should try and get a little bit of temp work walks in, they say, no promises, do a test, you know, you'll hear from us. She walks out of the test, here's a job, blah, blah, blah. Walks into my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, if it was was a romance novel, it was just like love at first sight. (laughs) (laughs) So this poor girl, she walks in just fresh off the, you know, the the recruitment agency, walks in and gets hit up with a three-panel interview, three-person panel interview for a four-week temp job. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> it was really harsh. But I, you know what, I, I looked at her, I heard her speak, I'd read her resume and I just said to her within about five minutes, and you're actually going to take my job here. Mm, and she was like, wow. wow. Is that a-? And you know what she did? The timing was perfect. It was perfect because I had I'd just done my CC 
certification. I knew I wanted to get out of where I was. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And she just walked in and she was the perfect person to take that on. So we started working together. I did stay on there in a different role. And uh, before long, I started pimping her out to some of my clients. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know what? We just, Rob, we just j- worked so well together. It was just ridiculous. Like it was just ridiculous. And she was a sponge. She wanted to learn everything from me. I recognized she had a lot to offer me as well. And one day, about a year or so into this journey, we, we caught up for lunch. And uh, during this conversation, right at the end of the conversation, this off-the-cuff comment came up, basically said, we should go into business together. (laughs) (laughs) What a crazy idea. And then we both walked away and thought, oh, it's not such a stupid idea. (laughs) So four months later, M-Pro-V was born and uh, we haven't looked back. It's been our our baby, which is hilarious because she was actually pregnant again at the time. (laughs) So so we've, yeah, so we've had babies together. Timing timing is everything, isn't it? Timing is Um, everything, yeah. Yeah, again, a wonderful story. Um, okay, let's let's call it. We we had this conversation just before we uh, sort of came on air, if you want to call it that. The name of the business that you created, I I very naively went with Improv, mm-hmm. but let's go with the name as you know it, and give it a little bit of an explanation because it, especially for the blokes, and well, I shouldn't say just for the blokes, but <laughs> especially for Rob Marshall, just unpack where the name comes from, just so I get it. <laughs> so actually, coming up the name was with the name was a funny story because no sooner did we um, decide to go into business together, but Veronica hopped on a plane and went to Europe for a month. So talk about timing. Oh, and she was pregnant with her second child. So as you can imagine, people were. A little bit dubious about this new business partner I was going into business <laughs> with. Are you sure you do know she's pregnant? I'm like, she's not, she's not dead. I mean, she's pregnant. <laughs> but anyway, so we spent a lot of time actually um, Skyping and, you know, emailing and all sorts of stuff. And we threw around lots of names. We were trying to be pretty clever. And Veronica came up with this M for Melinda, Pro for Professional and V for Veronica. And I went, no, it's not bad. And then we just threw around a lot. And then we just kind of came back to it. Ah, and it just stuck. So we Back, thought, yeah. so it's M for Melinda, Pro for Professional, V for Veronica, M Pro V is how we say it. We knew from the outset that nobody would ever say it right and we decided we were okay with that. But we thought oh, it's like M Pro right. or Improve or, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, I, was, well, I was trying to work with Improve. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think you just knew Rob Marshall wouldn't get it. The rest That's of right. the world did. But, yeah. so our, our, our tag, <laughs> I love it. Our tagline is actually meant for business and people that... Um, uh, not not very many people t- actually um, have necessarily cottoned on, but it's actually improvement for bu- improvement for business. So, <laughs> which flies there's, in the face of MPV, but anyway. <laughs> there's just so many ways you can there take are, that and, and work with it. I love it absolutely. I think you've come up with one of the uh, the original rippers there. <laughs> um, so along the way, um, Veronica and yourself have have. have steadily built the business and and look everywhere I go and this isn't conversations I've had with you with other people like I constantly hear how synchronistically um, safely passionately you guys have worked together you know mm. and and it is a little bit unique we've got to call that out you know a partnership across that length of time it's been what 12 13 12 years, years now yeah, yeah mm. to, to be able to work with somebody so synchronistically and to be able to grow a business is something special I reckon so I'm thinking that that must be something you're very proud of I 
cannot speak highly enough of our relationship and how yep. we work together. And, you know, we're business partners, but we're more than that. We're family, we're friends, we're confidants, we, we understand each other. Sometimes we don't understand each other, but we understand that that's okay as well. Um, we, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. We've got each other's back. Um, we don't always agree on everything from the beginning, mm. but we always end up mm. in the same place. Um, mm. We've never had an argument. Gosh, no, we've never had an argument. <laughs> mm. We might have occasionally gone, do you know what, let's talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. But we've, we've, never, we've never disagreed on anything to any extent that would cause any damage. And um, she's just a wonderful human being. And I, I am so blessed to have her have come into my life when she did. She was exactly yeah. what I needed. And I'd like to think that we've, we've been that for each other over the years. We've been through a lot over the years, um, but we've always been there for each other, which has been... It is very blessing. unique. And I think, again, you know, reflecting on us as a community, bookkeepers as a community, you know, we celebrate the sole traders, those mm. that have decided to go, uh, go it alone and have got reasons for that perhaps. Then we have the the partnership type arrangements, mm. and I'm I'm one of those. You know, as you as you know, the listeners may not know, but I've been in partnership with my brother Don for uh, 27 years now. And bizarrely, for two brothers, I don't think we've ever had an argument yeah. either. Really, <laughs> really, we tend to go our own ways, which helps. Yeah. But um, it can it, a partnership can work. A lot of a lot of people say it can't, but it can work, as you've proven. We have been very lucky. Yeah. Mm. You, you do need a bit of luck along the way and I think you've got to have tolerance and you've got to have a lot of understanding of each other. And, and I think the other thing too, certainly in my experience, you've got to have that ability to release the other person and to trust them to go, I know you're working, you know I'm working and we're, we're, yeah. we're all trying to move in the same direction. And then, then we've got our, our practices that have grown and you've got the big, bigger companies as well. So it's such a diverse, you know, sort of space, the bookkeeping space, and I think that's what really attracts me to it is that we've got, you know, different spectrums and yet they can all work. That's they can right. all work in the world, world of a professional bookkeeper. Okay, so along the way, uh, you, you, you've talked about Veronica's pregnancies. You, you've had one or two yourself or you've certainly got uh, Jamie, is it? Jamie's daughter? my daughter. Is that right? Yeah, she's yes, 23 yeah. in a couple of days actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, yeah. happy birthday, Jamie. Mm -hmm. If you're listening in, hopefully you'll listen to mum's uh, podcast. Yeah. That would be a bit, <laughs> bit disastrous. Maybe like you could wrap, wrap this up in a present and give it to her maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I will. Yay. <laughs> good idea. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Just saved me a couple of yeah. bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and you, you've also mentioned your first marriage didn't quite work out, and that no. was um, that was difficult for you. I know. Um, not uh, this is the heart of the bookkeeper, so you can share some of that if you like. But I do also know that you've got some some step um, kids, if that's the way to put it. Stepdaughter is it Claudia? And Claudia, is it, yeah. did you say that Claudia? Claudia, Claudia, yeah, Claudia, yeah, Claudia yeah. And, and Callum, and Callum, and yeah. Do you know what, Rob? I have to say. Um, Claudia and Callum are, and my daughter, obviously, are magnificent human beings, all of them. And oh, we've beautiful. been so fortunate that from the day we all met, we've just got along so beautifully. The kids all just adore each other. Um, we all adore each other. It's, it's a bit sickening, really, but it's just beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I've been very, very blessed in, in that regard, yeah. And your current partner? Stuart. He Stuart, is, yes. Yes, he's just an absolute treasure. Um, I waited a long time for him to come into my life and I'm very, 
very lucky. I'm such, I'm, I, I see myself as one of the luckiest people out there, to be very honest. He's just beautiful. He's supportive. He lets me be myself. He lets me be an idiot when I want to be because sometimes I can just be an <laughs> idiot. He doesn't care. And, you know, we make each other laugh. You know, I don't, we don't argue either. It's like, it's just, just beautiful. Like, it's just lovely. So, and we met, um, we met about four years ago and I was very um, adamant that our relationship, we were going to take it slow and all the things. And five months later, we bought a house together. So, you know, <laughs> that's apparently wasn't that slow. <laughs> no, But I haven't no. looked back, haven't looked back, yeah. Uh- and tell me he is a Crows supporter. He's not a Port Adelaide well, supporter, actually, is he? Well, actually, he's actually, he's an Essendon supporter. Oh, wow. Gee, I know. Okay. I know, Well, right? there you go. I think I'd rather be a Crows or West Coast yeah, supporter right now. Yeah. But a shout out to all our Essendon Bombers supporter friends. But he does come to the Crows <laughs> games with me. So, you know, I'll give him that. Bless him. Uh, yeah, bless That's his little great, cotton yeah. socks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he will even barrack for the Crows. It's just great. <laughs> we all, you know, sort of sympathise with Essendon supporters at the moment <laughs> yes. with what they're going through. But uh, anyway, well, They'll come again, I'm sure, just like West Coast. Um, <laughs> now for football. In the final part of, of this, this, um, this is I've really, really enjoyed this. The story of your mum in particular really right. grabs my heart and uh, I, I, I really could <laughs> run another three or four episodes just hearing your mum's journey and that side of the family um, and your dad as well. Yeah. But um, around about, uh, well, not around about, I know this part of the story, and we're going to unpack this now. And uh, and it could be could be difficult for you. And I, I I I'm happy to say you you unpack this in the way that you feel comfortable. But uh, 2020, I think all of us on on the planet, uh, mm. or certainly in Australia, uh, remember where we were when mm-hmm. um, you know the pandemic kicked mm-hmm. in, and then this thing called JobKeeper came along, mm-hmm. and we all went. Whoa! We've got to wrap our heads around this, and I called it out recently at a at a major forum. Mm-hmm. I think I think Australians as a whole owe bookkeepers a, a, a debt of uh, thanks for the way that bookkeepers. I'm just going to say it: bookkeepers unpacked JobKeeper and did a magnificent job for our country in a time of need. Absolutely. Um, the day JobKeeper was announced. Mm-hmm. Something else happened in your life. Do you want to share what happened? Oh, absolutely. So JobKeeper happened um, the week before JobKeeper. My partner, Stuart, uh, lost his job. He was made redundant because of, uh, well, COVID. Um, he was in a sales role and nobody wanted anything. So he, he'd been made redundant. Um, my daughter was working in uh, hospitality and they'd been shut down. And I was furiously at home unpacking in my head this whole job keeper that had been announced and uh, um, trying to figure out what my world was about was going to look like with job keeper and all mm. of those things happening and partner not working and who knew if he was going to get another job and what the world was going to do and so that night we decided to sit down and just have a little family a little family evening together and watch a movie and just as I was about to sit down I was just looking at a <laughs> funnily enough I was looking at some photos of my mum and my grandma that were on the um, wall I guess behind uh, sort of near the, the the lounge room and I was just kind of looking at them and I did this very unusual movement through my with my hands down my body and lo and behold there was this big old lump in my breast that I hadn't noticed before mm. and I thought oh gosh, that doesn't look feel good, <laughs> to say the least. So I didn't say anything and we watched the movie. Ironically, one of the lead characters in the movie, um, the, the actor actually 
um, died of breast cancer two months later, <laughs> which was just mm. ironic. Um, mm. But I didn't say anything. But later that evening, I brought it to Stuart's attention and I said, listen, I reckon our lives are about to change a little bit. And sure enough, within nine days, I was having chemotherapy for uh, mm. what's known as a triple negative breast cancer, which just simply means that there's no hormone involve, involvement in it. I was fortunate enough it hadn't spread. It was localised. Um, there was some concern. There was a little lump in a lymph node in my armpit. turned out, which I didn't know for six months after surgery, that it was just a cyst. It was just coincidence. So that was a, that was wow. a blessing. Um, but I had... Some, I had uh, Ended, ended up being 14 months of treatment, um, several rounds of chemotherapy, radiotherapy, surgery, all the things. Um, so while everyone was, uh, you know, battling lockdown and COVID and, oh, isn't it terrible we're locked down? I'm like, well, I'm running off having chemo, so there's that. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, look, it was, um, it was pretty horrific. Um, but you know what? I got through it. I got through it. I had support, um, fortunately, fortunately, because... I am a believer in silver lining. Silver lining was because Stuart had lost his job. He was around for six months while I was going through my treatment. You know, I could get on with JobKeeper and cash flow boosts and grants and whatever else needed to get done and not have to worry about anything else, you know. Um, so there's that silver lining. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was definitely a, an interesting, interesting time. Can I ask, you know, and this seems almost like a, a ridiculous question to ask, but were you scared? Was it, was it, you know, a scary time for you at the start, you know, particularly? I mean, yeah. was was there an optimistic diagnos um, diagnosis from the start or were there there's some uncertainties there perhaps? Look, I was incredibly fortunate that within just a few days I knew that my prognosis was excellent. Um mm. It was only a few days that I had to, that I had all of that ahead of me, you know. And I distinctly remember this moment when we were driving in to see the specialist, and I didn't know then what it looked like. I just knew it was cancer. Mm. Um, we were driving to the city, and the news was on, and they were talking about coronavirus because, you know, that was the hot topic, you know, coronavirus yeah. and all these deaths and all these things and all this, you know, all this stuff that was going on in the world and it was just horrific. And I just remember sitting there listening to the radio in the car and thinking, but I want to see how this ends. I want to know mm. what happens. I want to get to the end mm. of the book, you know, am I going to get mm -hmm. there? And it was mm. such a powerful moment in my own little private world in that moment. Um, but fortunately, by the end of that day, I knew that I would, in all likelihood, would see the end of, well, I mean, I don't know, are we going to see the end of it, but I'd have a better idea of what was going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. Yes. It, it was it was a scary time, but I, I was, you know, I was lucky and I felt supported. I had fantastic support around me and I've made some phenomenal friends through my treatment my chemo buddies, my chemo sabis, we call each other. You know, <laughs> we did our chemo together. We couldn't take family or friends with us because of COVID and, uh, and restrictions and it forced us to become friends and we, you know, forged this incredible strength and partnership between us and um, yeah, it really helped get, you know, get through. And Veronica and our team were just absolutely mind-blowingly fantastic 
through all of it, you know. It was really hard on everyone. I was just... Just going to say that, again, um, I know that, you know, well, I don't know, but I'm guessing you had to lean on Veronica at that time and the value of that partnership would have shone through during that that period. Absolutely. Um, You you had a few side effects. I know you lost your hair at one stage and proudly uh, jumped on Facebook and showed showed yourself Uh, off. There it is. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Hey, that's another silver lining though, Rob. I've been thinking about it that, you know, I've been listening to my friends go, oh, I feel like I need to try and go gracefully grey, but it's so terrible because you've got to grow this hair out and wah, wah, wah. And I'm like, you know, there's an easy way to do it. So <laughs> I don't have to go gracefully grey. I just went grey. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm embracing it. And and now, you know, we talk about coming out the other side of coronavirus. Yeah. So you, you kind of forget that it was, you know, we did tend to use the word coronavirus. Coronavirus, like, you know, yeah, we, yeah we, that right. was the word, wasn't it? You know, that's I think it. everyone thought it was an opportunity to go and drink a whole acre of beer in South America <laughs> somewhere it. at one point. But uh, <laughs> uh, have you have you sort of, you know, uh, is there the other side now? Is it is it done? Are you, yeah? Look, it's done. Um, I just have an annual checkup. Um, I catch up with my GP occasionally. We just have a check-in. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's done. Um, I yeah. think I've got to wait for the five years to officially say I'm in remission. But it feels, I don't know, it's so difficult to explain. It all feels like a bit of a distant memory. It's only been a couple of years. It was only a year actually now since I finished treatment. It feels sort of like a distant memory and sort of then I look in the mirror and I remember that's right. <laughs> I look a bit mm. different now but when I've got you know, a few scars to, to go along but... It, um, I feel like I learned a lot out of the process. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about how I manage my time, um, about how I prioritise things. Um, I learned about, you know, how importance of family and friends around you can be. I always knew it, but I really got to really feel it, I suppose, through that, that process. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. It, it, it's been a real journey for mm-hmm. you and a real process. I know when I heard, you know, that yeah. you'd uh you were you were unwell and that breast cancer had uh had become part of, of, of where you were headed on a journey. Mm. Um yeah, I was like many of your friends, no doubt, deeply concerned. But uh the one thing I did notice and, you know, the few times we did catch up, your positivity remained and and that's why going right back to the start, the, the the passion that you have for life has just been there through some dark times and some some good times as yeah. well. And that's what I think uh, many of us admire about Melinda Van Dyke is uh, Thank you, Rob. I've never seen you without a smile on your face, to be honest with you. So, um, uh, but I know, I know, you know, the tough times and, and, and you know, your journey that your mum went on, I think probably instilled in you a strength. Yeah. That, just comes out from time to time, which uh, I'm sure if Mum was listening in on this podcast, she'd go, "Yeah, that's you know, that's the Hungarian that's way. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's <laughs> the Hungarian way." Yeah, <laughs> oh, <us laughs> Hungarians it. were tough. <laughs> ironically, love it. ironically, um, Veronica is also has a Hungarian background, so she's actually oh, wow. she's actually slightly more Hungarian than me because she speaks the language. <laughs> I don't actually speak it, and she was born in Slovakia. So there you go. <laughs> Well, I'm just We're throwing everywhere. it out there. You know, we we look for opportunities in life. Maybe the Hungarian version of ICB That's, could be oh, on your you uh, on your on your. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you, you never going. know, or you know, you could go over and create the Hungarian version of MYB or Zero That's or something right. along those lines. That's it. <laughs> 
So, so just to sort of bring bring your bookkeeping journey to where it is now, you're you know throughout your 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 breast cancer journey, you were still able to operate, as you said, you were still able to do stuff, which is I guess one of the things that we can do. But I, I know I spoke to you last week and you said you, you kind of feel like, you know, it's only in the last few weeks or months that you've, you're kind of back on track again and doing what you do so passionately. Is yeah. that right? So I was um, I was really fortunate, just if I can just pick up on something there. I was really fortunate. When my yeah. marriage broke down 10 years ago now, gosh, yeah, it is. 10 years ago now, one of the things that I was very um, careful to do was to make sure that I had income protection and yeah. whatever, whatever insurance I needed in place because I was self-sufficient. We were running the business, but times were lean. You know, it was, we, we you know, we've been through lots of ups and downs in our business and I needed to make sure that I was protected, my daughter was protected, and I didn't have to rely on my ex-husband if I could help, if I could get away with it, to be honest. And yeah. that was hard. It, that, was, that was hard because, you know, the insurance is quite expensive. And in fact, when I... Um, um, when Stuart lost his job, one of the first things I thought was maybe I need to look at all the insurance I'm paying. Maybe I should drop something. And then literally a week later, I'm on the phone to the broker going, ah, oh, so Mark, have cancer. <laughs> mm, so my income protection mm. kicked in. I had trauma protection insurance. We had, in, I had put trauma insurance in place for our business. Yep. What that did, aside from giving us some financial stability, is it gave me an opportunity to go, I can actually take a step back because my insurance company has told me I'm only allowed to work 10 hours a week and that's okay. Yep. So yep. I've, that's what I've been doing. Um, yep. But I just recently, just in the last few months, I went, you know what, I now feel like I'm ready. I'm ready to, um, I'm ready to do that a little bit more. And uh, so I put it out to the universe and the universe delivered in spades. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I probably should have been more specific about what I actually wanted. But, yeah, I just, I just feel like now I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to put the whole cancer thing behind me. You know, that's, it's done. Um, yeah, you know, it's time just to get back, just get back to business, you know. That's what I feel. I think, and again, I think you've made some great call-outs there for, for all of us wherever we're at in our time of life, um, the importance of, of that sort of being protected financially. Yeah. Um, we heard in the last episode from Martine Hooson, for those who've tuned in, and if you haven't, go and have a listen, you know, the importance, especially for women, and she had a similar journey to you, came out the back end of a, a marriage that didn't go so well and it really became clear to her how vulnerable yeah. women in particular can be in a situation like that and the importance of understanding their financial situations within within a relationship are really important. So, seem to be getting a common thread there. It happens to men too. I'll give you yeah, the tip. Yeah. Um, about two days after I had what some have have heard the the mother of all heart attacks, uh, I'm sitting in a chair in 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 a hospital in Bunbury, thinking, you know, we're we're going to really struggle through this. This is going to be, a, you know, I was being told then it was going to be quite a journey ahead, mm. um, and yet suddenly my brain went. Oh, I think I've my broker may have put some insurances in place that I might just make a phone call about, yep. and wow, that that made a bit of a difference. I can give you a tip, yep. you know. So, um, yeah, for those listening in that maybe are thinking of 
of dropping insurances, maybe yeah. think twice, especially personal insurances. They, they do they do play a role at some point. It, it's interesting because I don't know many people, I mean, I know there are some out there, but people that would get in their car and drive down the road without insurance on their car yeah. and some, and, yeah. or make sure they're, you know, they've got insurance on their house or, you know, their pet. Yep. But some people yep. forget that, you know, we, we're important too. <laughs> like, yeah, we need absolutely. to make sure that we're protected. So, um, and, and yeah. as, as I said, if for nothing else, it gave me permission to actually take a step back because I was basically being guided. So, and that helped. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I, again, and I, I, I do uh, apologise to the regular, regular listeners. I say this nearly episode, uh, every episode. I wish I had another hour or two. This is just <laughs> an amazing story and you are an, a, a, an inspiration with just what you've called out just through your journey. Thanks, and Thank Rob. you for sharing that. We really appreciate that. I'm sure there's many listening now who may be on a, a similar journey who can resonate with with where you're at or perhaps, um, you know, need to need to hear those sort of positivities to, to keep moving forward. And uh, you've done that beautifully, Melinda. Thank you. So w- we, we, we started with some opening balances of your trial balance. We've got to finish with some closing balances to, to put it, but, you know, sort of bring it all together to make sure that our uh, our um, retained earnings do add up. You know, we don't want anything left uh, unaccounted for. So um, I hope I've got, <laughs> hope I'm saying that right. We'll, we'll run with it anyway because we'll I can. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with it, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So three three questions to finish off with before I'll give you the final word. Um so you now, in my, in my mind, you're, you're, you're very experienced in the world of bookkeeping and accounting software. You've called out regularly your journey with MYB specifically. If you could be um, Princess Bella for the day, or let's go with <laughs> Queen Bella, let's go with Queen Bella for the day, um, when it comes to bookkeeping and accounting software, if there was one thing you could change, what would it be? One what thing would that it I be would about? change? What you, you would change, yeah. What, what's one thing when you sit back of a day, at the end of a day, maybe having a quiet margarita with Veronica or whatever you have, <laughs> a, a water or whatever, um, did, what, what's something that you've gone, oh, I wish that, you know, the software would do this or I wish that we could do this in bookkeeping? Is there oh, anything that comes to mind? Gosh, um... Oh, I, something did come into mind, but it's not really specifically about the software. That's all right. You can tangent. Yeah, you can tangent on that. Yeah, definitely. I wish that I could let – me, let me put this a different way. <laughs> After 12 and a half years in this business and about 18 years, I guess, roughly, doing book care, bookkeeping apologies and working with software, it astounds me every single day without fail that I still fail to recognise that things always take longer than you thought they would. Right? Yeah. And if there's something <laughs> that this software company needs to do to fix that, there's my answer. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got 14 basses to do after this interview and if I could find a way to do them in less than 14 minutes, I'm all exactly. ears. Yeah, I'm open for that. Absolutely. Great answer. Love it indeed. Okay. Well, let's go a bit more broadly than this. So I had this question put on me only a week or so back and it was I thought it was a really good question. You know, in a world or in a country right now, Australia, you know, and all around the 
world. And I, I want to say, I mean, uh, before I get to the question, um, your, your story of your mum, I keep coming back to that, but it must resonate with you a little bit with Ukraine at the yeah. moment and what's happening there. You know, so we're hearing stories of, of um, your Ukrainians rocking up in Australia to yeah. start a new life and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a bit sad how we as humans keep repeating history, don't we? We, do. we just don't we don't seem to be able to get away from somebody's gotta blow someone else up yeah, or you know, mm. invade someone else's home or something. It's just really sad. So you Let's get a little bit broader here. You, you, you've gone from being Queen Bella to <laughs> Prime Minister of Australia, okay? If you were Prime Minister of Australia right now, what's one thing that you would do? Just you're, you can only do one thing here in Australia, anything you'd like. Is there anything you would change? You know, it might be something to do with breast care awareness or whatever it might be. What's, what's, what's something you would do if you could be Prime Minister for a day? I would make the 1st of July a public holiday. First of July, yes. Oh, yes. I just heard. I just heard seven thousand ICB members going, "Yes, yes, yes, Melinda." Yeah. And and then the next sentence is, "Dream on, baby." Because <laughs> the first of July ain't no holiday in our world, is it? No. Plenty of accountants go on holidays in, um, on the first of July, from what they tell me, or well, not what they tell me. I know, but us bookkeepers, no. First of July, that's that one day you circle. You go. There's no going out to tea tonight. There's no, you know, going to sleep for 24 hours at least. So, yeah, <laughs> love it. Very good. All right, last question. This is, your, this is to, to close off the perfect balance sheet in what's been a fantastic uh, interview. I love this. I've loved every minute of this. You're an Adelaide girl. You're an Adelaide Crows girl. You've got Adelaide written all through your DNA now, even though we know now there's Hungarian and Sydney and <laughs> Melbourne and England and, yeah, a few things. But Adelaide, okay, somebody coming to Adelaide for the first time, you know, there might be somebody listening in right now going, oh, I've never been to Adelaide. I'll go and check it out now. What's a must-do in Adelaide? When you rock up in Adelaide, what's in Melinda Van Dyke's world, what's, what's the must-do in Adelaide? You must go to the central markets. Okay. Central markets right. here in Adelaide are fabulous. They're unlike yes. any other markets in Australia. It's produce markets, but it's fantastic. It's an incredible array of, of, of delicacies. And, and the most important part is right smack bang in the middle of the markets is the Kangaroo Island Distillery. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> stall, and you have to have a gin and tonic in the central markets. That's it. That's it. Everything else you can, can take it or leave it. That's what you've got to do. Maybe wash down a bit of Hungarian goulash yeah, or something it. like that, that's perhaps. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't, do right. they have goulash in Hungary? I don't know. They do have Hungarian goulash. <laughs> well, yes. I'm, when it comes goulash. to Hungary, I'm very Australian. Goulash yeah. is a Hungarian, a Hungarian um, oh, meal. Yeah, it's well done. Yeah. Nice one, right? Oh, okay. Did very well. <laughs> Well, okay, so the central markets, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm due a trip or two to Adelaide at the back end of this year, so I don't think I've ever done the central markets, so that will be absolutely writing that down right now, central markets. Here I come and straight to the Kangaroo Island uh, display, get a, uh, get, a, get a beverage or two perhaps. But, uh Melinda, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, thank you for being so open and sharing your your journey. Um, it's it's a fabulous story. I'm still going with any movie producers out there. You can uh, come. I, I might uh, put my hand out for a little bit of a commission on that one, but uh, it's it's an absolute fabulous story. Um, 
we are so happy and so blessed that you have come out the other side of, of you, this journey Rob. and will continue to continue to stay that passionate and um, that powerful person that I know you are. Um, keep on smiling. And uh, I want to, I really want to thank you for your time today, Melinda. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. You have such a special place in my heart. Rob, I don't even know if you understand, but <laughs> I'm still so honoured that we've spent this time together. So I thank you so much. And by the way, just as a parting comment, definitely pineapple on a pizza. All oh, right, you're, you are, yeah, okay, you have listened to some. Yeah, well, well, we definitely, when I come to Adelaide later this year, we are getting pizza and there's going to be pineapple all over it. And there's, there's a whole heap of listeners right now going, you've got to be kidding, pineapple on pizza, you betcha. <laughs> Thanks, Melinda. Thanks, Rob. Melinda, simply thank you. You positively radiate all the things that most people would gravitate to in life. And yet your bookkeeping journey to date and your, again, positive approach to your battle with breast cancer is simply inspiring. We wish you all the very best for many years to come and who knows, maybe a return someday to a court of Hungarian royalty. This has been Rob Marshall. Thanks again to you, our listeners, for tuning into this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper. And we look forward to you joining us again soon on our next episode. We want to also again thank our new sponsor, Beyond Blue, and encourage you to engage with the new Access for Small Business Owners program. My business is struggling. So am I. The last few years have been pretty tough and I think I probably need some support. Don't downplay what's playing on your mind. New access for small business owners developed by Beyond Blue provides free mental health coaching to get you feeling like yourself again. Designed for small business owners and sole traders, it's via phone or video and you don't need a doctor's referral. That'd really help. Search new access for small business owners and inquire today.